0: My name is David Reimer. I am an academic and public historian, published both academically and publicly, including an ongoing history series for the Anchorage Daily News. One of my most recent research topics has been the history of epidemics, pandemics, and quarantines and the associated fears within Anchorage in the past century.
1: So, a few weeks back, I reached out to you and asked if you knew anything about past pandemics and quarantines in Alaska, and you said you were digging into it. What have you learned since then?
0: Yes, it was a lot of primary digging. There hadn't been anything written about Anchorage during any of the previous disease scares. Um, The most interesting to me was the Spanish flu of 1918 to 1919.
1: And what did that look like?
0: Well, in Anchorage, And in Alaska, you start hearing of the first cases in October of 1918. And in Anchorage, you have a city that's unprepared. They've heard the rumors. They've heard of the Spanish influenza for months now, since May of 1918. But they've always considered it something somewhere different, something other people dealt with. There's no indication that they were preparing or were prepared for what happened. Not that they truly could have prepared for a pandemic, but It's interesting that they always talked about Spanish influenza in terms of what was happening elsewhere rather than what they could do to prepare. And in October, you have this time when, as part of that, you have doctors telling people that don't worry about it. They're explicitly telling people there's no influenza in Anchorage. There's no influenza in Alaska. The cold will kill the influenza, which was absolutely not known and not true uh saying things like if you've heard of influenza it's just people having a cold or the grip as they called it back in the day and they were saying these things right up until when they um instituted a quarantine in Anchorage which lasted for almost a month from the end of October through late November 1918. and in that month 28 people as best I can tell at least 28 people died it just in Anchorage which was a city at that time of somewhere between six and 2000 people it was a time of great population shift and change in Anchorage. So it's hard to nail it down much closer than that.
1: And you had mentioned that during that quarantine, that 1918 quarantine due to the Spanish flu, things like passenger trains were canceled, right?
0: Yes. Um, maritime travel was quarantined. You couldn't just take a boat to a place, get off the boat and go, expect to go anywhere. Uh, traveled to the interior was restricted. You had to get a health certificate from a doctor. You basically had to have been exposed and then waited out your time to show that you had no symptoms and then got a certificate from a doctor saying as such that would let you to travel. And they also shut down the passenger train from Seward to Anchorage, which was the other primary way people got to Anchorage in those days, other than the port directly.
1: But work on the Alaska Railroad continued, which... Had devastating results in Alaska native villages, correct?
0: Yes. Even as Anchorage itself is shut down, where the Alaska Engineering Commission, which was in charge of building and operating the Alaska Railroad, as Anchorage is shut down for that, as they've shut down the passenger trains and protected Anchorage itself, at the exact same time, they're continuing with construction of the railroad into the Matsu Valley at full speed all haste they want to get as much done before winter shut down on uh, construction for the season and they're just the tales are horrifying they're just running into villages and towns as they're laying the track that have just been wiped out uh there is one story in Adna narrative where you know i mentioned it before where they come across the river and there's one boy crying and the village behind him is empty and cold as everyone died The railroad is coming into these towns, and they're having to um, run trains back to Anchorage. They opened up a second hospital. At this time, there was only the uh, government hospital, which was down on 3rd Avenue. They converted a hotel downtown into an Alaska Native hospital, um, separated, of course. And it's clear that some of the biggest concerns for the railroad people, while they, they did do that, they were concerned about the lives of these people that they were encountering, but their primary concern was the completion of the railroad. Mm-hmm. And so even when in the Alaska railroad record, their document of what is happening, their public document of the progress of the railroad, their primary concern is how far they were getting. So the narratives would be in the same paragraph. We encountered so many sick natives, which hindered our progress thus far. It has cost us so much money. I mean, these were the type of concerns they had that they were that these sick Alaska Natives, which they were the ones carrying the disease, and the Alaska railroad workers were also coming down with the disease and drugs and closing down entire workings. A large portion of the people who died in Anchorage were railroad workers brought back who then died from having been exposed and working at the same time.
1: And that's pretty similar to what's happening right now. You're talking about these railroad workers kind of traveling to and from uh, bigger cities, smaller villages in Alaska. And then the kind of patient zeros of Alaska right now with COVID-19 have been those people who have traveled to Anchorage or Alaska.
0: Yes, travel dooms us all. It's those connections of shipping lines, those lines of travel, um, which both you know help build a society and help tear us down. And it's clear as it is in the Spanish influenza epidemic in Alaska, that the communities that could best isolate themselves are the ones that survived. Fairbanks deep into the interior didn't have any issues. The towns that were really hit were coastal towns where the ships were coming in from Seattle and elsewhere. Um, Even in um, the Nome area, which was the area hardest hit by the influenza. Some of the areas around Nome were 90 to 100% mortality rate In some of the villages, but the villages a little further out, like Barrow, they are able to escape unharmed. And it was this distance, this travel that helped and harmed the Alaska communities. Those where travel was easiest tended to be hit
1: harder. Something I wrote down from earlier in the conversation is that it seems like industry takes precedent over public health very often
0: um and this that was an issue back then there were the companies that complained there are steamship companies that petitioned the governor Thomas Riggs saying you will end the steamship industry if you do not let us travel unimpeded um to his great credit he was very unimpressed with these arguments and it's instituted quarantines throughout and At the same time, there were these prominent businessmen who petitioned for exemptions for those travel requirements, those health certificates they needed to travel through the territory. You know, they had business, they had lives, they didn't, it's both natural and understandable that they didn't want their lives and their fortunes, you know, harmed by the pandemic, but at the same time, they did put people at risk. And as best as possible to tell this far distant, uh, the governor, Governor Riggs, denied all of those requests for exemptions.
1: Are there any similarities between how Alaska was impacted then and how we're being impacted now? There's all
0: those surface similarities. There was no church. There were no public gatherings. Um, People struggled to find those connections. And I haven't heard as much of it here. But as I've heard elsewhere in the lower 48, there were some complaints about the churches being closed that didn't please people. Some people thought that was showing that God had no power over the influenza. Some very public complaints about that. Uh, Funerals, people couldn't be buried. So people would die, but it would take weeks. It didn't help that one of the few undertakers in town also died of the
1: Spanish influenza. So you had mentioned your newest article in ADN, and I read that this morning. And one thing that caught my attention was when you talk about how some people abandoned the safety precautions that kept them safe from the virus back then. And as a result more people got sick and more people died than would have otherwise. What was the result of ignoring the safety precautions?
0: Uh, It was quite simple. It was more death. I use Skagway as my best example. Um, Skagway was um, made as like the major quarantine checkpoint that you couldn't pass, that otherwise you would go through Skagway on your way into the Klondike to Whitehorse. Excuse me, on the way to Whitehorse. And when things seemed like they might have cleared they closed it early the quarantine free travel there and the governor was very worried about this he wrote in his diary about how he was worried about this and it's unfortunate to have to know that within a month the influenza had broken out again in skagway and had infected the town's doctor even town's
1: only doctor and this was after they lifted the quarantine, correct?
0: Yes, this was in 1919, after the the peak of the disease, which was um, primarily November of 1918. That was when most of the deaths in the territory occurred.
1: Were there any striking similarities between what's happening now and what happened then that you found in your research?
0: Um. An interesting one that I was actually spending time searching for today, and I haven't found examples of it in Alaska, although I have found that people did wear masks back then. There was a lovely photo I found that I hope you saw of people wearing masks in 1918 Southeast Alaska, probably Juneau. And while I haven't found examples of the shaming of people not wearing masks in Alaska, it absolutely did occur in the rest of America. Like, I see it online now. I see it everywhere, like arguments over how much you need to prepare to go outside, how much you need to go to the store, what do you need to have on? And in those days in America, if you didn't wear a mask, you were liable to be called a mask slacker for having not worn your mask and saved yourself and those around you.
1: A mask slacker. Yes. Okay.
0: That is one of the more interesting, and I was really hoping to find examples of that in Alaska, but I have not yet.
1: Okay, so moving on from the Spanish flu, I had mentioned in our texts a few weeks back about the Scarlet Fever quarantine, and you recently texted me and said that you started reading about that recently, so can you tell me about it?
0: Um, Yes, Scarlet Fever the children are the ones to really worry about when it comes to Scarlet Fever. In 1936, they had a nasty outbreak of Scarlet Fever and smallpox, which was supposedly brought north by a new herd of cows brought up for the Matanuska colony. And what I find really interesting is some of the actions taken during the Spanish flu were then utilized. They, they learned. They're like, for example, there were no boards of health in, you know, Alaska communities before the Spanish flu hit, but Anchorage, opened there first in late October, 1918. And the mayor of Anchorage in 1936, a man named Oscar Gill, he was using the power as chairman of the Board of Health in Anchorage, not as mayor, but as chairman of the Board of Health to shut down the town for 12 days. And I found that very interesting because that is a direct connection to institutions built upon the lessons learned, still easily within living memory of the Spanish flu outbreak.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And... As it is for all of these, there's a few other outbreaks I've learned about since then in Alaska, but people pushed at the boundaries. People didn't like to be restricted. This uh, particular shutdown of the town, which was very strict, went on for about 12 days, went on for 12 days, exactly, excuse me. And the very first day they had to close schools, of course, but you immediately, immediately see these gangs of children running around town, the parents either somewhat control of their children or allowing it and And what you would hope to prevent were the children going about and mingling with other people was one of the things that happened exactly. Uh, one man during the 1936 scarlet fever quarantine was even arrested and fined for having broken a quarantine after having been exposed himself. The city actually placed a 24-hour guard on him after that.
1: Do you know any more about that man? Do you know any more about the situation?
0: Um, he was he had been exposed by some children who uh, themselves had contracted scarlet fever, and he was fined. And then eventually, once he had shown no symptoms and the time of the disease had passed in him, he was allowed to go. But he was arrested and fined for repeatedly leaving the property he was supposed to have been confined to.
1: In your opinion, how close are we to that, where we have to confine individual people because they're not listening to safety precautions.
0: Oh, dear. In my personal opinion, we are... I don't know if anyone has... I don't know if local government would do that. Not so much that they need to or should, have, but more that they won't. Why? Uh, people are already protesting, and I think it would make a... Um, uh, gosh, man, I just don't know how to answer that one. People just would be shitty.
1: Yeah, I think people would be pretty angry. I think that it would be exacerbated by social media.
0: Yeah, I think then that would make people martyrs for government overreach, and it would just make a terrible situation all the worse. So hopefully things don't
1: reach that point. Why do you think that is? What has changed?
0: Uh, lessons are forgotten um it's been a long time since America's endured something like this you would have to probably go back to polio in the 50s which there was a serious outbreak of polio in Anchorage in 1954. but I think it's just long enough that people have forgot what it was like to see people lined up dying or and paralyzed in the case of polio to see you know the children dying in droves from scarlet fever to have seen the bodies lined up in mass graves from the Spanish flu.
1: I listened to a podcast a while back, and it said that the reality of the Spanish flu didn't really hit people in America until it started affecting their circle of people. And then they started paying attention to the precautions. How close do you think we are to that? To the point where COVID-19 touches everybody's personal circle.
0: Well, I don't think we're all that close. It would possibly be different if someone, you know, some more beloved celebrity perhaps had died of it. Or if um, some notable resident here died of it. Maybe that would have made it more real. Mm-hmm. Then the, you know, people have died. But how well are people connected to them how well do they know their stories and that these were real people with real lives how connected are they to these poor victims
1: something i've been finding interesting is there's always a condition to those that have died because of covid-19 you know they were unhealthy they were old you know it's it's ravaging the old it's just going through old folks homes once it's introduced and just ravaging the entire population and people who are, you know, in their thirties or their twenties or their teens, or even, you know, in their forties, they're thinking I'm immune to this. And I wonder if it, if it's that arrogance that is, is keeping us as like a nation or a world, like from being actually genuinely scared of this thing.
0: It would help a lot in Anchorage if some healthy 30-year-old who was known around town suddenly died of COVID. That would help people understand the repercussions. In Spanish flu, they saw notable, strong people, regular people around town die of it, and that made it hit them all the harder. During the scarlet fever outbreak of 36, um, one of the two children who died, one during the quarantine, one died right after, Uh, The 16-year-old girl, she was the daughter of a very prominent railroad station master, and that made it more real. They knew him, perhaps they had heard of her daughter, it was a small town, and that made it more real. Mm -hmm. And maybe we haven't quite had that type of human interest story yet.
1: So in preparation for this conversation, I asked if there was anything specific you'd like to talk about, and you mentioned a shipping strike in 1971 and the shortages it caused in town. How did that shipping strike affect Alaska?
0: Uh, That was just something that came up that I thought was interesting as, you know, thinking of shortages, thinking of that first mad rush to the stores and seeing the empty shelves. I took my pictures of the empty shelves because I was... I'm a historian, I'm going to document things into the apocalypse, it looks like into the literal end times, which does not please my wife. But so this was mentioned to me by someone who sent in a question from the newspaper, and I started digging into it. Uh, Longshoremen strike 1971. No container ships arrive for just over three months, the shelves empty of the staples grocery stores can no longer run ads because they don't know what they're going to have. Just individual stores would stick up a sign like, well, we have a bunch of beans on sale. So we'll put a sale on beans. That's what we have left a bunch of. And I was told a story of of gas stations. Toilet paper did go in short supply. Toilet paper takes up a lot of space in shipping. Um, So people would go to public places to use the restroom. That was a way against running out of toilet paper instead of using it all at home. And apparently at gas stations, instead of just, you know, going you know, there's a nicer gas station going to the bathroom, of course, or getting the key at a less nice gas station, mm-hmm. they would give you the key and a little wad of toilet paper. You weren't allowed at some gas stations in Anchorage. Unwatched access to full toilet paper rolls.
1: That's that's interesting. <laughs> that, that's the story I was told, and it
0: sounds very real. It, a couple of other people I checked it by said it was real. Um, smaller, slightly more luxury items became rarer, which we're starting to see in Anchorage. Um, I've noticed a rising price in ice cream, which is hurting my heart. <laughs> Not in the same way that the ice cream hurts my heart, but still. Uh, but apparently during that strike, um, candy bars became more scarce. Things like that. There, you know, There was a rush to find other ways to ship things. You saw more. Um, Things being bought by truck, things being bought by plane, that it took longer and was more expensive, respectively. So you were, you know, choosing what you could ship. Maybe candy bars wasn't the best thing to ship, you know, over land in the summer in 1971 when you had other things that maybe could, you know, turn you a better profit at higher markup. I just love that story because like the Spanish flu and the scarlet fever, diphtheria and polio scares. This one, in a funnier way, shows the like how constant people can be.
1: For sure, yeah.
0: That people are the same. These, Yeah, these weren't more noble people back then. They were rushing to buy what was left in the store just as well. Mm-hmm. They were f- resented being told to stay home.
1: Is it ever weird to you, as you are reading through history or doing your research, that humans don't often change that much? Um, it's
0: frustrating and comforting. I mean, one of the primary things I research is race, so that's less comforting. Um, although I then prize when I actually see advancement and see change, it makes me appreciate it more sometimes knowing that people tend to not change at least so that when there are changes, when there are advancements, they matter all the better. And now in another way, it's just a requirement for doing history. If people are different, then what can I learn from studying people from a century ago if they're so different? What's the point of history? Mm -hmm. Therefore, it's very comforting that there's a relevance. It's a good comparison as opposed to saying, you know, people were far more different in ancient Greece. What could they, how they live their lives, how can I truly compare that to now? That's a bit more difficult. But 100 years ago, they seem very much the
1: same. It validates in a way. So as a historian, what worries you about right now? Well, some of the
0: similarities, as we've discussed already, I dislike the idea that I don't want to be the example that's written in history books in 50 years or 100 years from now. I don't want the David Reamer of a century from now writing, as I did about Skagway ending their quarantine and dooming some additional people to death. I don't don't want Anchorage to be the example someone uses for shutting down uh, restrictions and opening up the city and more death happening. I worry about that. I don't want that to happen.
1: How about the other side of that coin? What What is encouraging you about what's happening right now? Um.
0: There's been a lot of discouragement, but some of the more encouraging things is I've seen a few people really striving to, you know, find ways to build connections, to create cheer, to, you know, continue for social connections. Uh, the lady in South Edition, I believe, who I think lost her job, but now dresses as a dinosaur and goes from house to house across town, dancing and cheering people up.
1: <laughs> I haven't heard of this.
0: Oh, I'll send you an article. Her name's um, Christine Hoff, I think, and she's a little bit of a hero. Things like that have cheered me up. People who have found a way to maintain connections during this time.
1: For more information about how you can support local grassroots journalism, go to www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. Thank you to Trina Duber, Seward Brewing Company, The Grind Coffee Shop in Juneau, Derek Adolph, Blue and Gold Board Shop, Sharon Liska, Alaska Surf Adventure, and Aquila Space for their support at the company man level. This conversation was written, hosted, and produced by me, Cody Liska, for Crude Magazine. Music was produced by Alcota Beats.